You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on? I'm Berto here. And Berto, we're back with another episode. Uh, As promised, we had discussed in a previous episode that we would be talking about some of the things that you wish would have been available or what could have helped you as you were leaving prison. So I think we're going to tackle that subject today. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I think this, I think this is a really good subject too, man. Well, take her away. What do you, what, what are, what were some of your biggest hurdles, I guess? All right. Well, first of all, first of all, let me just say, right. Like I think this episode, man, is uh, as much as it is for guys that are in prison. I think it's more so for the people who support them people. um, If that makes sense, because I think, with the exception of some sad cases, the reality, you know, is that uh, some people don't have anybody uh, coming out of prison. But I'd like to think that, you know, a, a, a large portion of people have at least somebody, right? Somebody to lean on, some sort of family, uh, maybe not, you know, in the best financial way, but some sort of way. And so I think these these uh, these these points that I'll bring up here, I think they'll go a long way in 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 helping them get an idea of what somebody would need um, getting out of prison. And and I think um, even as I was like kind of doing my homework, man, and thinking about it, uh, it really just goes to show how important, you know, a backbone, so to speak, is when you get out of prison. And I think it's, it's overlooked. <clears throat> it's overlooked by a lot of people, especially the prisoner themselves, just because you know, you think as a man, I can do whatever I want in this world. You know, I can make it, you know, I'm strong enough. I, I can overcome any obstacle and, you know, and, and all these things you tell yourself. But, you know, the reality is if you're not ready for the world, man, it's it's going to be hard. And that's talking from firsthand experience. Somebody who, you know, is still catching up to technology and just this day and age and the kind of the people that were around. So, with that, man, I'll just say, I'll, I'll get into it by saying, I think the, obviously the process of transition should start, I'd say, I'd say within three to four years of somebody coming home. But worst case scenario, one year of just cramming a lot of information in would do a lot of help. Um, because Believe it or not, man, a lot of people that are three or four years out yet are thinking about getting out, but they're not thinking about getting out tomorrow. So right. when you get to that, when you get to that one year mark, it, it, it's real. You know, it becomes real. And it's like, and this could be one year to, you know, like in my situation, I think I explained this to you. I wasn't in a situation where I could get the halfway house, which is usually six months prior to your release and up to a year, depending on your circumstances. Um, so this could be prior to your release to a halfway house or in my case, prior to release, you know, just to 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 whoever you're going home to. Um, but I think it starts there, man, because I think that's when you get serious about uh, what what exactly you want to do, what exactly you think you're capable of doing. <clears throat> and I think anybody that is really about change and about making their life bright, they have an idea right then if they're kind of. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And re- remind me once again, I, I'm sure you explained this in a previous episode, but what was the reason you were not able to get the halfway house? Was that just because of a security? Yeah, yeah, reason? it's exactly what it was. It's exactly okay. what it was. Security, security issue is the, is the, 
a blanket statement that's used in for somebody that was in my situation, which it, it doesn't make sense. But but let's just run with that, right? So yeah, I think once once you get a year out, I, I believe it's important for the person to start reestablishing himself as a person. So this inmate needs to be a person again. Okay. So how do you become a person again? You need your birth certificate, you need your social security card, and you're going to need an ID. Now, this is like detrimental to everything you got going on when you get out, because essentially you're nobody. And in my case, when I got out, this literally took me like three months to accomplish. True, I did get out in somewhat a COVID frenzy. But even without that, man, it's still a process to get a social security card. You know what I mean? Like it's still a waiting game. And, uh, you know, so I think getting whoever it is that's getting released from prison, simple things like that, get them a social security card, get them a birth certificate. And then I know, oh yeah, getting an ID is something that they can do. They can go to DMV when they get out, but why not, why not make it so they can have an ID when they, right when they get out? Like, I, I don't, I don't know why that's like a hard thing to do. I mean, there's so much technology now where, you know, it's not like it's some guy in a garage taking pictures. It's the Federal Bureau of Prisons working with any Department of Transportation in the whole entire country. So it's like, I don't see why that them, them databases can't be crossed. Um, that's just my opinion, man. I think I think the uh, the stresses and, and headaches that come along uh, with getting out of prison right away and having to accumulate all these documents is, is hard enough as it is. And then to go and have to sit in a DMV line and it's just, these are things I feel like they could do for you before you come home. Um, and I think this should be especially essential to anybody who's done over 10 years, you know, um, obviously, you know, you get into 15 and 20 and I think they deserve even more specific attention, but anybody with over 10 years, man, you're, you are oblivious to what's really going on in the world. I don't care if you call home every day. It's there's no way to, to, uh, you know, kind of replicate what's going on in the world and try to compare it to what's going on in, in your life in prison. There's no way. So I think anybody with over 10 years in prison, man, these are the guys who not only should have the first set of documents prepared for them and ready for them to go. These are the guys that should have at, at the bare minimum, man, some sort of computer class, you know, some sort of, of I guess, you know, just a, a a form of education that allows people to catch up with the world, man. I mean, I lived in prehistoric ages when I was in there. You know what I mean? Like, you know, thankfully I had communication with the outside world. So you kind of get an idea of what's going on and you get all the, man, you're never going to believe how much things change and this and this and that. So you get an idea in your head, but you never really know. Well, how about giving people the tools to really know? I mean, how about, you know, bringing in a phone? It doesn't have to be connected, but bring in a phone. Show a guy how to use a phone. Like show a guy, <laughs> like literally, like these are these are things that are, are, you know, I'm thankful that I had, you know, I have my wife and she's been my rock. She's been able to help me and talk me through all these questions that I've had, you know, but somebody that doesn't have that, you know, you know how hard it is to work a phone? <laughs> you have you know, I, I went from a flip phone and a sidekick to an iPhone. Like it's it's a big difference, man. So just understanding that kind of technology, man. And then even like simple computer skills. Like, listen, man, I'm a chicken peck to death. I can't type to save my life. So, you know, I can imagine 
that little skill right there could help Joe Blow get any kind of get a get an office job until he gets into some other job. Like little things like that, I think, go overlooked. They just figure, oh, people can adapt when they get out. But when people get out, it's like it's almost too late, man. It's like the world is moving at a speed that you're not ready for. You know, I used to get called grandpa when I first got out because everything I was doing was super slow, man. Like just just movements. It's like I couldn't multitask. Like those those things, you know, everybody says they can do them. But when you're out in the real world and you haven't been out in the real world, it's really hard to do because it's not just you're not just changing the song and, and, and doing a set while you're working out at the same time. That's not multitasking. You know, what I mean, there's a lot of things that go into uh, real world. And so I think those those small little tweaks right there will make a huge difference. And then I think there should be. A honestly, I think there should be a discussion or a class held about the world that we live in in that moment. You know, mm -hmm. I come from an era, man, where there was none of this woke divism. You know, there was no people weren't as you know. I don't know. If this is politically correct to say. I don't really give a shit. People weren't as sensitive as they used to be, and mm -hmm. and so I grew up in an era where people had thick skin, and um. And you could say things and you could use terminology that it was just commonplace. You know, it wasn't frowned upon. It was just it was normal. And it, you weren't you weren't a racist or a bigot and you weren't a homophobe or any of these things, you know, misogynistic. You weren't any of these things. It was just it was just conversation. And, and you know, even some of the things that people find offensive now were actually terms of endearment. And so it's just right. I think that people and prisoners aren't in tune with how the world has changed in that aspect, because I definitely wasn't, I was not at all prepared for that part. And you hear it and you watch the news and you can kind of like, Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But when you come from being a certain way, you're raised from being a certain way and that's all, you know, and then you get into a situation where now you got to really take a look at what you were saying and who it was affecting. And, and you got to, have some growth within yourself. I'm not saying that we aren't to be held accountable. I'm saying, but to be knowledgeable is key here, you know, because if I'd have knew better, then I'd have done better, you know, and that's the thing. Like, you know, a lot of guys get out, they don't know better, man. So um, it automatically puts them in the wrong, in the wrong situation, man. You know, I think that's a really, really big, big topic that people should, should, uh, should help with. So do you, kind of based on the picture you're painting here, this is what I see is that while you were in prison, yes, you were, you were living your life day to day and everything, but it was almost like the outside world continued to move on and progress. And you kind of just stayed in this same zone. You probably grew as a person, obviously, because you decided you didn't want to do the gang thing anymore and things like that. But you didn't really get to grow with the way the world grew while you were in prison. Would you right. kind of say that that's pretty true, like pretty accurate? No, it's a hundred percent. And I think that, um, I think that most people, um, they tell you that a guy that goes in prison and goes and goes to prison for a, a lot of number of years, their mentality kind of stays at from when they first got locked up. They're like in a time warp, you know, like I get out, I'm listening to all the music, that I listened to before I got locked up. You know what I mean? It's right. like, you know, I feel like I got, I got to catch up, you know? And, um, and so 
you're kind of in a time warp, man. And, you know, could guys be more in tune with what's going on in the real world? Maybe. But you got to remember, man, guys are doing everything they can to not think about the real world because they're not getting out tomorrow. You know, and guys that got years and years and years to do, the last thing you want to do is to be focused on a world that you're not going to be involved in for a while. You got to focus on yourself. You got to focus on what's what you have going on in front of you. And so it's it's uh, it's almost torture to try to do that, because, like I said, you're not going home anytime soon. So guys, a lot of guys, you know, yeah, I mean, there's an ongoing theme. Yeah, man, I'm going to work out when I get six months to the door. You know, there's guys that don't work out their whole prison, <laughs> their whole prison bid. They think they're going to get in shape in six months. So, I mean, there's guys like that, you know, guys that don't work on themselves at all. You know, sure. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a real thing. But I think that's that's the exception, not the rule, man. I think that there's a lot of people that really want to work on themselves and they want to give themselves the best chance to win. But, it, you know, it gets hard. And I think I said this before, man, I'll say it again because it's worth saying being a criminal is really, really easy, man. It's 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 life threatening, of course, and it's dangerous, but it's the easiest thing you can do. It's simplistic. You got a simple mind. You do the same things right? There's nothing that you're really sacrificing. You're not, you're in a comfort zone. You know, you're not growing when you're in your comfort zone. Uh, you know that. And, and, and so being a criminal is really easy. And I say that because guys might get out with the best intentions, man. And when these little things start adding up that they can't, that don't fall in place for them, you know, some guys just aren't strong enough to overcome those obstacles, man. And, you know, I mean, you're going to get a lot of people that say, man, those are weak minded guys and this and this and that. But listen, I mean, the reality is that not everybody's the same, man. And not everybody, not everybody grows the same and not everybody responds to to obstacles the same. And so I just want to see everybody win that's been in the situation that I have. So I think it's important to kind of point out, yeah, man, people are different. But at the same time, having the knowledge and having the opportunity in front of them is always going to make a difference. Go ahead. What are you going to say? And I think I think an important thing to say is um, I would partially agree with you that being a criminal is easy. Um, the part I don't agree is I don't think it's necessarily easy, but it's easy for a criminal to be a criminal because that's what they know to do. And <laughs> they know how to do. And Correct. That's, to get that's out what of I mean. prison yeah, and switch gears and not be a criminal anymore, that's where the real challenge lies because now they're trying to do something they've never done before in their life. Yeah, no, so. for sure. That, no, yeah, that's 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 definitely what I meant to say, and and um, yeah, and that's why you know I always give credit, man, like just to people that you know get up, bust their ass every day, go to work. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the real discipline. That's the real, you know, that's the real gangster. Like you know, sleeping until you know twelve every day as a as a street guy and selling drugs, selling drugs for two three hours. You know what I mean? To, to to make enough money to live on. You know, those those things are that's why I say they're simple. I mean, obviously for somebody, you know, who hasn't lived in that world, it's not simple, right? But I'm just right. saying, you know, yeah. for for guys that have been in prison, getting out, going back to the comfort zone, that's an easy thing to do. And and um and that kind of le- that segues me into into what I think is another important aspect, and that is to with this first step act. Right. What they did, I give them credit again. I don't know if they're holding true to what the First Step Act was designed to do. And that's that's legislation that was passed. I don't know if they're staying true to it, but what they were supposed to do was individualize inmates. 
the reason why that's so important, man, is because guys in federal prison, let me give you an example, they have what they call a team meeting, right? Where they go and they talk to their case manager and they talk about what programs they've done, what programs they think they might need. Um, well, this used to just be a formality, man, that process. It used to be a list of guys on the on the on the you know on the door that would have to see the case manager. You come in, you sign your 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 quarterly update. Okay, yeah, um, nothing new, nothing good. Okay, good, and just leave out. Okay, so they're doing away with that kind of process, and they're actually making these people work by doing that. You individualize the inmate. Now you might really be able to get to the root of not only what that inmate needs help on and growing on, but how you can help him transitioning. And so these are one of the one of the main things I think would be to help determine a career path for whomever it is. And that's not to say that everybody's career path is going to be what what they pick in prison. That's not going to say that it's going to be what they get when they get out. But at least you give somebody a chance to invest some time into something and think about doing something and get some information about doing something, you know, understand the dynamic. And the, the reason why I say that is because like I got out and I was a CDL driver, right? And it didn't match my life. It didn't match my, you know, it felt like I was back in prison to be honest with you. Um, the, the money was good, right? But it just, it didn't match what I was doing in my life. It actually started taking me away from the direction that I was going in my life. And so I had to pivot. You know, I had to make a decision there and I did. And that's why I chose to, to become an electrician. You know, obviously I had studied on my own while I was in prison. I was fortunate enough to have somebody that I call a friend to this day. Um, he who actually knew about the electrical field and he taught me whatever he knew. You know, we went over books. I bought books out of my own money, you know, and I taught my kind of taught myself that, you know, without being able to visualize it, it was really hard. Right. Because I don't know nothing. This is like teaching me a foreign language, but, <laughs> but I, I taught myself as much as I could. And believe it or not, now that I'm in the trade and I'm getting back into the part where I have to go to school, like what I did learn is really helpful now because it's starting to make sense. But yeah, that's what, that's what I think. I think it should be indiv individualized towards um, each inmate, you know, because then you can do, you can do a number of things, man. You could give them hands-on work opportunities, you know, um, a lot of these, especially prisons, they have woodshop factories. They have all these different work programs available. You can teach a trade, man. You really can. And then help them. Th this is the biggest thing. Help them find maybe a list of jobs that actually hires felons within their respective communities. I mean, if you're doing progress review on an inmate, um, once every three months, right? In three months, you could find five jobs for this guy that hires felons, you know what I mean? And in the trade that he's looking to, to go th and, and just give him that. Say, here, call this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. When you get out, you should be able to get a job. I, I feel like those aren't like big leaps. Those aren't like, you know, I'm not saying, hey, you should buy every inmate a car because he's going to need transportation when he gets out. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not asking for something that doesn't seem reasonable. Like these are things that these are phone calls that they can make, you know, and yeah. I've seen these cushy government jobs. These guys sit on their ass <laughs> all day. So it's like, you know, you can't make a phone call. Everything you seem to have described, I just can't believe that a prison system doesn't have that right now. You know what I mean? Because it's, mm. this seems like fundamental stuff that should be there <laughs> in, in all truth. 
Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And and you know, like I said, man, there maybe there's like a little bit more I guess they're a little bit more proactive on a federal mainline compared to where I was at. Uh, but not I, I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't give it like a hundred percent more than than what I was getting. You know, they may be like twenty five, thirty percent more um active, but but not not crazy. Especially when it comes to individualizing people and and looking for the best way to help them win and help them uh, have outlets, you know, uh, because believe it or not, you know, there's guys that really do are lifelong, you know, drug addicts. My boy DMX, man, I remember he he said, you, you know, you 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 never you're never over being a drug addict, you know, just just one day is is. Uh, is is a fight and then the next day is a fight and then the next day is a fight you know what i mean and 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 that i think that that holds true for guys that are fighting stigmas like being a felon you know i i could be the best person for 10 years and then i do something stupid the first thing you're gonna say is <sighs> yeah well you know he was in prison already so you know he and it is and it that's is, true yeah. man and that's and that's you know, and so there's really guys that might need drug and alcohol classes or or parenting classes or anger management classes, you know, all these things, man, you know, guys that get out, you know what they do have, <clears throat> I think about it, you know what they do have is on your account balance, right? You can choose to save money, you know, towards, you know, however, however you want to spend your money, but you have an option to like, like auto withdrawal every time you get money sent into your books, you know, you want to put 25% away or 10% away. They have that option. But here's the thing. What about guys that get no money sent to their books? You know, now those are the guys that are living month to month on whatever job they have in the facility. You know, I say within a year, you automatically take half of whatever they're getting and you put it in account for them. So when they get out, they can buy clothes. They can have a bus pass if they need it. They can have just little things because if I'm telling you, these people, man, in the, in the feds, man, they'll literally kick, they'll give you a bus ticket, you know, to send you back to wherever you're going, not a bus ticket to like go around your city and look for a job. I'm saying like, if you're in Pennsylvania and you need to get back to Milwaukee, we're going to give you a bus ticket. We're not going to buy you a plane. Mm -hmm. ticket. We're going to give you a bus ticket. And so that's, you know, that's one thing. But when they're there, you know, now you need money for a bus pass. You know, now you need money for some clothes for a job interview. Like, you know, now you need to have some of the things that you need in order to keep making those progressive steps. And like I said, man, not everybody has the advantages that I had. Um, not everybody has somebody that cares about them and loves them and wants to see them win. Some guys really only have themselves, man. That's not saying that those guys can't make it. It's just... It's just a lot harder, man. You know, it's it's uh it's a it's a bigger hill to climb, man. And there's a lot more, there's a lot less room for error. Put it like that, man. Cause cause guys, it's easy to get down on yourself, man. It, it's easy to <clears throat> feel like you have to meet a standard, not just that you set for yourself, but also the standard that's set by the community you live in and the people you you're around. And so that pressure mounts. And, you know, not everybody that's wearing a smile is feeling like that yeah, on the inside. This is really kind of 
hearing this is just a kind of a shame to me because it it just feels like, okay, you were in prison for 15 years. Basically, it sounds like you just kind of hung out and existed. Whereas they could have been sending you through class upon class, educating you on on everything you needed to know when to, to get out. But they just don't have that. And that's, I don't know, that's very, I mean... That just that just reiterates right. that so, our prison system is set up to lock people up and and you know not make any effort to try and make them better people. Right, and to be fair, man, like like I like I have earlier and I've done before, I do champion that first step act because I feel like there's a lot of good legislation and thought put into it. And I say that because now they have programs like you're talking about that guys could do every day. But here's the thing. They're actually getting incentive to do the program. So, yeah, you know, let's call it what it is. More than half of the guys are going to get into it just so they can get time off their sentence so they can get extra phone minutes so they can get extra commissary. Yeah, that's true. That's 100% true. Convicts are going to think like that. But they're going to hear that message while they're there. And sometimes, sometimes that's all it takes, man. You know, you might not be on board with, going to a parenting class because you think you're the best parent in the world, even though you're sitting in prison, you know, but they might say something that resonates with you that maybe resonated with you in your childhood and why it's being carried on to you and your kid. You might go into a a AA class and be like, man, I really only drink once in a while, but they might say something that makes you realize maybe being sober is a better option. You, You never know. So yeah, the, the intent behind these programs when guys go might not always be pure, but the reality is that you can receive something from each message. You can always find something to hold on to. And I think that happened to me, to be honest with you, man, because speaking truths, I, I talked to you off the air about this, man. When I was in the county jail, I, I did a hundred programs, man. I did. I got every certificate you could possibly get. I was a tutor at school trying to help guys get their GED. Some of the, I mean, and some of the stuff, yeah, you take pride in stuff like that, right? But I was doing it so that I was perceived as somebody who had changed. I hadn't changed. Like, you know, I was one year in, two years in, three years in. Like, I needed an overhaul of my life in order to change. And, but little one program here, one program there, and this starts to make sense, and that starts to make sense, and you start doing some soul searching and, Sometimes things like that click and they register with people. And so, yeah, man, I, I'm I'm really I'm really on board with all those programs that offer incentives because it it makes people want right. to and go. I mean, because I also believe that after you hear something <laughs> enough times, it just starts to make sense to you. You know, and I like just as a human being, if you if somebody reiterates something over and over to you again, no matter how much you disagree with it at the beginning it will eventually start to be more clear and more, it'll resign with you a lot more. So just by putting these guys into these classes, even even if it takes them going through the classes three times before they, they get something out of it, it's going to eventually happen. Because if you hear, hear it enough, it's going to start sinking in. And I mean, I'm sure there's some rare in, right. situations of people that that just doesn't work with. But... I think 90% of people would find that that would be a positive thing. Right. And you, you, you know what it is too, Eric, man, is, is really, really rare to find people 
in the Federal Bureau of Prisons, in the criminal justice system that genuinely think people can change, you know, especially grown men. You know, I think, you know, obviously this isn't a, a stripe for me, but unfortunately I went from the juvenile system all the way to the adult system. So in the juvenile system, obviously it's more like they feel they got a chance to change it, right? And And maybe that's more true or I don't know, but so they put more effort into it. I feel like when you're in federal prison, man, it's just kind of like, listen, you're a grown man. If you want to change, change. If you don't, the hell with you. But like I said, man, not everybody just has that willpower to just go ahead and and, uh, well, and, and flip a switch like and that. And I feel like and so, the average person is not going to have that willpower because that's a hard thing to do without anybody there pushing you to do it. You know, like your situation yeah, could have been a whole lot different if you had not had your wife outside pushing you to, hey, you know, once you get out, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do that. You know, you wouldn't, if you had not had that, what would be your incentive to really change? Right. And you know, sometimes, man, like, and and listen, like I said, man, my wife was always there for anything I needed and everything I needed. Right. But I think, I think it's even more, it was even more effective um, by her not even having to use her words. And what I mean by that is guys have pride and they, you know, most guys, they have pride, they have morals, you know, dignity, all these things, right? If you got pride, your pride won't allow you to not be somebody who can be a provider, to not be a protector. To Your pride won't allow you to be those, you know, to, to fall short of those things. And I think a lot of what motivated me and is motivating me to this day is the fact that mm-hmm. I don't want to let her down. You know, it's not that it's not that she has to she has to ride my back mm-hmm. and be like, yo, get a job. You know, she's never once ever said that to me, you know, or get a higher paying job. Never once, you know. And so I think guys um, can relate to that. And, uh, you know, and I think that's also a statement that maybe some, you know, girlfriends out there that have guys that are coming home. Or, or moms or whoever is trying to help these people is, you know, the badgering and the beatdowns that only, that, that only, that only raises that, that level of stress and, and continues to amount pressure on an already pressurized situation. And so I, I, you know, I would just, I would give that advice if I was going to give any to them, I would say, Hey, listen, let them, let them work through some of the things they're, they're working through and support them and and do your best to to guide them but don't badger them you know don't be the don't be the man you've been home for a month you ain't look for one job you know instead just try to help them guide them along i think that's 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 one thing that i can say is that i'm i'm blessed to have with inside me is that i do have that that pride and that motivation to to not want to let people down wow it's a heavy thing to think about yeah, and look, and also, also, like, just, just kind of piggybacking on that theme about like what you said about classes and guys, you know, guys being in prison, they could be doing classes all day, and then I mentioned that they get incentive for actually doing those classes. Now, I, I say, why not follow that out to the streets? You, you have guys that people get out of prison and are lost, and I think. Little milestones should be celebrated, man. Like, like it, it, I'm not saying that you know guys deserve participation medals, but 
men that have been through traumatic situations, man, have done long stretches of prison time. It's hard to remember what a win feels like, man. And and I just know, like, when you get out and you start doing things, you start you start to you get your ID or or uh, you know you get your driver's license or you do these little things <clears throat> that they just seem like everybody seems like it's it's just it's just onto the next move and onto the yeah for you it might be but I never had a driver's license till I was thirty three years old man. You know, so like little milestones like that, man, I feel like guys just need to, guys just need kind of showing that you're going the right way, man. You know, as little as that milestone is, you know what, you're going the right way. And then, and then, and then give credit for it, man. You know, if, if a guy does a program on the street that you ask him to do as a probation officer, well, why won't you try to shave some of his probation time off of his sentence? You know, it doesn't have to be nothing crazy, but if a guy does a five month program, and you got five years paper, you know, take three months off his probation at the end of the, you know what I mean? Like these are little things that would make guys want to do them programs. It would make guys want to get involved, you know, but there is none of that. It's like when you get out, you're on your own, get a job, you know, I'll see you and I'll come piss test you. And if you're dirty, then I'm gonna lock you up, you know, like it's, it, there's no relationship. Go, there. go back to that point too, because um, one of the questions I had earlier and I forgot about it was, do you, do they have like did you go through a class or anything right before you were ready to get out that kind of was the the idea behind it was to get you ready for getting out or is it just more or less like okay you're done see you later good luck yeah not there was there really? was nothing there was nothing there 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 was like so first of all a lot of the quote unquote classes or programs or whatever it is they were being ran by inmates so like aa aa was just ran by one of the inmates you know and you showed up if you wanted to and you were as clueless he was as clueless as you were you know um so you know they every now and then they would have uh what is that every now and then it would have a job fair right and uh, at the job fair you would go and do a mock interview um and and try to you know, get the job from whomever it is. Um, and this, these would be like random staff members throughout the prison. They would get together and they would come do a job for it. But <clears throat> it's not really emulating real life, man, because one, you're asking me to an apply for a phony job um, and sell myself, but I have no idea what skills are required for the job. You know, how do I explain, you know, my resume? or lack thereof, or my fuck, my 15 year gap in my work history. How do I explain that? So they don't, you know, it's not like, a, it, I think it's more about making them feel good, to be honest with you. They come in, they do their service. Oh yeah, I fake like I was an interviewer and like, but in reality, man, they're not really helping guys. You know, if anything, yeah, they're making guys feel uncomfortable. to me like they have a checkbox that, that they have to check and they're doing the minimum <clears throat> Exactly. Get that checkbox checked, but not really giving a crap about status quo. Is this actually helping anybody? Yeah. You know, hundred percent status quo, man. Um, and that's why I said it's rare to find. Um, I think that's where I was going. With my last point: it's rare to find people in corrections in the Federal Bureau of Prisons and maybe Department of Corrections throughout each state that really genuinely think, you know, guys can change, grown men can change. 
um, they can become better people. And, you know, they almost give up on, on, on prisoners. And, and, um, you know, I, I think, I think it's sad, man, because you know, there's a, there's a big population of prisoners in the, in the country that can well, change. And I would think that most of them probably can change. <clears throat> I, I would, and maybe you know this, do you have any idea of how somebody that somebody that's in your situation, what percentage of them are you and what percentage of them are not you, I, I guess would be the way to say it, you know, or end up offending again going, do you have any yeah, idea what that? Uh, so recidivism in the country is pretty high. I mean, I'd say, <clears throat> I'd say in the 60 to 70% um, and ref- recidivism is just a re re recidivism is is any yeah anybody that gets out of any type of correction that ends up going back so that that's so seven out of ten people right so you can understand why the people that work in these industries have <laughs> you know have low expectation for you to succeed once you get out but on this same side because they don't have the expectation that you're going to succeed, they do nothing to try and make you succeed, I guess. And and right. I wonder if we could drive that percentage down greatly if there was just some effort put into, you know, offering people the services they well, here's, need. Here's yeah, here's some insight, right? And this is a bombshell, right? This is a this will be a bombshell, right? This So this is this is 100% true. <clears throat> and and it could be done, I think, for for inmates in general, right? I, I mean, maybe not to the extent I'm about to explain, but at least to some extent. Okay, so in the in the the program I was in, right in Witsec, okay. If you take the second phase of the program, <clears throat> right, and that entails going, you're getting a name change. Um, you're uprooting your life and you're going, you're landing somewhere else. Those people have a 93% success rate. That means that nine out of 10 prisoners that get out and are put in that situation, never come back to prison. That right there in itself should tell you it can be done. It can be done on a larger scale, you know? People say, oh, well, you know, they cooperated, so they were going to change their life anyway. Not necessarily so. They just had the opportunity in front of them to succeed. Because when you go into this program, you get a new name. You're going to be somewhere where you don't know all the idiots that you used to know. They're going to help you go through school. They're going to help you get an apartment. They're going to help you get a car. And then it's on you to fuck that up. But you can't tell me. That if every single inmate was given that opportunity, that our recidivism rate would be at six out of ten, seven out of eight out of ten people going back to prison. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it, because one, you would be forcing them, you'd be uprooting them and taking them somewhere else. Now, if they want to go back to that place when they're off of probation, mm-hmm. that's on them. But I guarantee you, man, a lot of guys, when they get into that new life 
and that simple life and they're not looking over their shoulder every day and they have a guy they have a job they have a career they have a 401k they have everything that you could possibly need guys are just not going back to that lifestyle man they go back because it's comfortable it's a comfort zone and and go ahead why are they not following this formula for every prisoner? It's just a confusing. Well, it's, there's one simple answer for that, man. It's money. You know, that's the simple answer. Um, you know, whether they want to admit that or not, I mean, they can send in this. I don't want to make this, like I said before, I don't make it a political show, but you know, you send a hundred trillion billion dollars uh, to uh, Ukraine, but you got homeless people all over the country and you got, Prisoners that are looking to get out and change their lives, but they don't have a, yeah. two nickels together to rub and make a dime. You know what I'm saying? And and so it's like, that's what it's about. It's about money, man. And, uh, you know, it's about taxpayers saying, do I want to help a prisoner? Do I want to, you know what I mean? Do I want to invest my money into that? Well, if you don't, they're just going to take it and invest it somewhere else anyway. Right. Whether you and, like it or not. And so, how much money are we losing? Uh, because seven out of 10 prisoners are going back to jail which is a huge drain on taxpayer money to, to have these people exactly. in prison. So exactly. But, but, but you got to look at the other side too, right? How many jobs are they keeping? How many people are they keeping employed? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like these are, these are, these are where people get, they get, you know, I don't get off into it, but you get the conspiracy theorists that, that, that feel like there has to be a rhyme to a reason, right. Or a reason to a rhyme or whatever it is. But yeah, you know, you need, to have those mm-hmm. jobs, right? So you need to have prisoners. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the only way you're gonna have a correction officer. Uh, if you have I, I really hope so, that's not. I don't the know, reason, man. But <laughs> not gonna say it isn't. But I really hope that yeah. we're, we're we're not doing a bad job of reforming prisoners so that prison guards can keep their jobs. <laughs> hundred. But can you imagine that though? Can you imagine if nine out of ten Past inmates yeah. succeeded in life. What would our country look like? I mean, because listen, <clears throat> like I said, man, drug lords that run cartels and run, <clears throat> you know, they don't get to them yeah. spots they're because they're idiots. Extremely so- savvy. You know, they're not multi-million and billionaires. Business-minded people. Exactly. Right. You got some of the best barbers in prison, basketball players in prison you know, all types of artists and just different kinds of people that have skill and talent, singers and, and, and rappers and just all these kind of different people that have skills and they can never utilize them because Mm -hmm. they're sitting in a box. And when they get out, you know, they don't have the money to back themselves, to bet on themselves, you know? So yeah, man, I think those are, those are like, I feel like a lot of what I mentioned is simple, but I also feel like it's a little bit that they could just take the extra, take take that extra little leap, and that would secure our future. It would secure, you know, the country moving in the right direction because you don't have, you know, six and seven out of ten people going back to prison as soon as they get out. Yeah. Wow, the biggest thing with this is is that. I think most people that will probably listen to this podcast would probably think that at least to some extent, most of that exists in already in the prison system. And I think it's going to be a real eye eye opener that no, it doesn't, you know, and, and, and just, 
I just think back to like when you were talking about how, so you got out and you spent three months getting what your social security card, birth certificate, driver's license and things like that. And I just yeah. think about that. But I think yeah. that when you talk about those three things that you spent three months getting out, I can't even imagine how frustrating that must have been for you because it was like you sat around for 15 years waiting to start your life again. And then you get out and you have to spend mm -hmm. now you probably sat around for three months waiting for, okay, to get these three critical things you had to do to start your life right. once you were out. Right. And, and you know, it's funny because it's like, yeah, when you first get out, everybody's like, man, you know, sit back, enjoy yourself and, you know, just take it all in and, you know, kind of, you know, just enjoy being home man. you know, and, and, thankfully like obviously this is didn't happen in my life but for most people that that the honeymoon ends quick and then it's like yeah. man you ain't got a job yet you know like you ain't you ain't you ain't looking like you know you've been in that fridge a lot lately so it's like you know you, you can't win you know that's why you really want to get out and be proactive and and have you know or, or you know if you're lucky enough to have things lined up for you but yeah, those three months were critical, man. I was, I'm like I said, I was blessed to have my wife, and you know, she, I was, she was happy to have me home, right? But you know, in my mind, I'm like, brother, you got to get up and go do something. Like this is not, and literally, man, the first, my first job, the first job that I took was through a temp service. It was at um, a warehouse that um, there's a big shoe company called StockX or something like that. That this is basically like their warehouse where you know everything is like took there and then shipped back out man it was a 10 out 10 hour days making 14 dollars an hour <laughs> i never worked that hard in my life like you know what i'm saying like and so yeah man i mean I, but it there was like a sense of pride in it you know like all right you know i mean my check probably wouldn't have paid the water <laughs> bill here but you know what you know i'm i'm working for it you know what i'm saying and so yeah man i think uh the biggest thing is just getting guys help, man. You know, everybody, everybody deserves that chance to show that they're an idiot or not. And um, I think for the most part, man, a lot of guys are willing to, if they have the right situation, they're willing to, to, to make that effort to be productive. It's just to have to have the right situation. And I got to say that everything that you presented as ideas in this episode, we're not talking about really complex elaborate strategies or anything these are pretty basic things that would be very simple for for a person to implement and it's just a it's just sad that it doesn't exist or yeah no i try right. i try to stay practical because i know i know i know that system i know i know that that environment and i know they just look for every excuse about not how to do what you're requesting but <laughs> why they can't do what you're requesting you know what i'm saying so it's like you know i try to stay as practical and as and as simplistic as i think it could possibly get it's kind of a human thing in my opinion people always just try to look for the reason they can't do something rather than just trying to do it in many of situations so oh 100 so 100%. all right well i don't know i don't really have any other questions do you got anything you want to add on uh, I think we're pretty good, man. I think this is a good episode for a lot of people. Um, like I said, man, mostly to a lot of, you know, people that are supporting 
guys in prison. I think this is really, really important for them because even though they can't implement none of these programs or, or you know, help to um, get anything, I guess they could technically help to get things changed, right? Through legislation or, or uh, but, but the main thing is they could use these bulletin points to, you know, maybe bring them up to uh, the people that are in prison, you know, that are coming home because, you know, not every guy thinks about this kind of stuff. You know, not every guy thinks that it's going to be that big of a jump or transition. And and then when you get out and the world slaps you in the face, man, and then bills don't stop. It's like, man, right. I wish I was prepared. So, you know, if, 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 if grandma or mom or girlfriend or brother or whoever can be like, hey, listen, man, why don't you try to get into a simple computer skills class or you know, why don't you try to, you know, get up with, with some current events in the world? You like, you know, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, you know, just little things like that. And I think, I think I would have appreciated it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like I said, my, my wife, she did her best to try to keep me in tune, but obviously having first hand experience yeah, is always I mean, going to be better. You can hear about an iPhone all you want, but until you see an iPhone, you don't really understand what you're, what you're talking about, you know? And yeah, exactly. and pictures so, ain't going to do it justice. And, and I mean, that's a very basic one, but, but yeah. And I would definitely tell anybody, if you've got a family member that's coming up on that time to, to get out of prison, do them the, do them the favor of looking up, see, can you get that process rolling for them on a social security card, a birth certificate, you know, whatever you can do to, mm -hmm to, you know, help that process along. So as much of it is done be it before the person gets out of prison as possible. I'm not even sure if that is possible to do, but. And I know, yeah, listen, and I know a lot of guys, man, they more worried about their first outfit on the way out the door. And, you know, they want their family to buy them, you know, this nice, this nice fit to wear out. And, you know, and, and I was guilty of that myself. So I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. But let me tell you this, man. I got a lot of nice clothes. But you know why I got a, nice, a lot of nice clothes? I'm going to tell you why I got a lot of nice clothes. One, they're, they're not expensive. But, but the main reason why I have a lot of nice clothes is because I wear my work clothes every day of the week. <laughs> Except Sunday. And so that's how you keep your stuff nice. You just never wear it because you're always wearing work clothes. So, I mean, that's a little bit of a... That's a gem right there. I just dropped for all the guys, man. You want to you want to stop spending money on clothes? Just work six days a week. You ain't got to worry about it. Good advice. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend working six Solid. days a week. Well, just stop working six days a week as soon as you possibly can. But, but yeah, that's the goal. That's why you do it because you do it exactly. until you don't have to. So you know what I'm saying. All right. Well, then I think we'll wrap this episode up as normal. If you have questions, comments, feedback, normalizedcrime at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to leave us a feedback on your favorite podcast player, we would appreciate that greatly. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back in a week with another episode. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.